20 seconds of silence. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you'd started. This is Design School. So, JP, what's your name? My name's JP. Yeah? Yeah. What's your JP short for something? It is. You know, I just explained this to uh, someone yesterday at a barbecue. They wanted to know, and I gave them the long spiel, which is... <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever gotten a long spiel. Really? I don't think so. Do you know what it stands for? John Paul. Yeah. Um, my mother's name is Julia, mm-hmm. and my father's name is Paul. Mm-hmm. And Julia Paul sounds awkward and weird. Yeah. But, you know, my parents are uh, children of the 60s and 70s when the Beatles were around and uh, were Catholic. And there was a pope. There were two popes named John Paul, which happens to be the same letters as my parents. Mm -hmm. So, bada bing, bada boom. JP was born. Well, actually, JP, I didn't use JP until uh, college. I had a roommate was named John Jacob, JJ, and he went by JJ. JJ and JP. JJ, JP. So we used to have um, voicemail. You know, back when we didn't have cell phones, we had a, a an actual phone a, in your room. An actual phone, and our voicemail was, "Hi, this is JJ JP." Here's a message. <clears throat> but that was probably not until our second semester still gone by John Paul. My mother insisted that I use my full name uh, and to be proud of it. And I was. And so it took a while just to get used to being called something else besides John Paul. But it became a lot easier to, to, to talk to people about. And some people actually now don't know what my real name is. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because you know who where people are in your life based off of that. So it's like pre-college and post-college. Mm-hmm. How about Chad? I never knew what where Chad came from. Uh, yeah, well, Chad's an interesting story because, uh, well, being born in a, well, at the time, what was somewhat of a rural city in Alaska, uh, they would let your baby leave the hospital without having a name. So I didn't have a name for like a week and a half because my parents couldn't decide, because um, they they didn't they didn't know uh, the sex of any of the babies when they were born. I have two older brothers, so they were they they thought they had the chance like a really good chance of having a girl mm-hmm. as their third child after having two boys, and so uh, they had only come up with girl names. And everybody showed up to the hospital with dresses and this and that, uh, none of which were put on me. Uh, <laughs> but uh so they weren't they weren't prepared and my mom really wanted to call me guy mm-hmm. but she didn't uh, she didn't want me to get me confused or confuse me when i had two older brothers and she would say come on guys or like let's go mm-hmm. uh and so that name didn't work um and as for where they came up with chat i actually don't really know i think they just kind of found it and liked it uh, my middle name, though, came out of the. My mom had a uncle Philip that she really liked, and uh, 
think my dad was born in Phillips, South Dakota. So it was just kind of a blend of that. That's funny because I don't think I actually know what the P stood for. Really? Yeah. I've always known it as Chappie Hall. Yeah. I was almost, I was almost, uh, so people always ask me if Chad is my like full first name because they always think it's short for something, which it's not. But my parents almost named me Chadwick Arthur because my, my, uh, mom's dad's name is Arthur. He goes by Art. Mm-hmm. Um, felt like if I would have had that name, I could have been a knight. Chadwick Arthur Hall. Yes. <laughs> you would have had to have a uh, monocle and a great British accent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Do you think that uh, names change who we are? I think, well. Or help influence who we are? I think so. Yeah. Uh, to a degree. I mean, kind of like you were talking how you've differentiated how you know like what point of your life you've met people mm-hmm. like it was the same thing for me is I've had like this slew of nicknames or, or variations on my name so in, in high school people used to call me Chad Lee a lot uh, and then in college the, the first part of college it was a lot of Chadwick uh, second half of college it was a lot of Chad P because that's when I started using my middle initial on mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting because a lot of that still lingers when you meet people, yeah. or like see people again. Mm-hmm. Just don't even think about it. So why did you choose to go to UW? And I think uh, my time in undergrad at, at POU down in Tacoma, we would often come up and it just always felt like because UW has such a huge undergraduate program mm-hmm. and uh, looking at those students work just because I think it was the sheer quantity of it when you'd walk down the halls or like see like the sheer quantity of students that would attend lectures and stuff that it almost seemed uh, like just I was valuing quant- like quantity over quality just seeing all of it and like mm-hmm. Obviously, they're all all taking inspiration from each other because a lot of it all looked the same, but it all seemed to be relatively good. Um, Versus, you know, at PLU, it was always like the handful of students who produced quality work, at least when it was my time there. With the combination of the the program being good, it it made it more affordable, made it more realistic in my mind that it could actually be attainable to do Mm -hmm. uh, financially worked well i mean we'll we'll see if it worked yeah we're I got my foot in the door we're, we're months away from the start but <laughs> got uh, my foot in the door finally at least so i imagine that you'll you'll do great and that you are going yeah yeah so both both uh sentimental reasons program reasons and financial reasons mm-hmm. all converging which right. was the same reason how i ended up at plu so yeah Right place, right time. Yep. After undergraduate, uh, going to grad school, um, I was in Chicago at the time and uh, knew I wanted to go back to grad school eventually. And there were two, three programs that were in the Chicago area. And so I said, well, I know I don't want to go back west. I know I don't want to go back to California. And um, I'm not sure if I was ready to go east yet so I decided let's uh, let's look at the hometown Chicago Mm -hmm. and 
<clears throat> the uh, of the three schools, the top school was at the time the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and they had a visual communication program. I got a visual communication degree. Uh, put two and two together, I said, "Well, if it's the top school, I might as well apply to it." And mm-hmm. if it was meant to be, it was meant to be, and I didn't. I decided not to apply to either of the other two, though I did look at it and um, was extremely interested in IIT, but I, I never ended up doing it and submitted my portfolio scared out of my mind that I was making a mistake and that they would never accept me little old me from a small little town in California to a small little college in Indiana (laughs) to a nobody in Chicago and I did I got accepted and as I say the rest is history I think it did help that I submitted my application and immediately had an interview yeah, was, uh, with the chair of the department. Yeah, because I remember explaining my experience of turning in my portfolio and applications, and that process sounded completely different than the process yes. you went through. <laughs> I had uh, what was supposed to be a 30-minute interview just to get some questions answered about the program, uh, more logistics, not anything really mm-hmm. pedagogical and uh, turned into two hours of walking around the building, talking about books we were reading. Um, at the time, um, the biography of John Adams had just come out. Um, Richard Rodriguez's Brown had uh, come out recently, and we were talking about our identities mm-hmm. and how does that connect us to uh, back to our culture but as well as into society and uh, it was just someone that I could really connect with and I think that he could see me as in a connection to the rest of the students that are there at SAIC and so I'd like to think that that definitely helped play in my corner mm-hmm. um, but it was the same sort of thing where financially it was right I was in the right place it was the right time it was good yeah. Uh, what was what was the spark before that? How did you either find or discover, or uh, how did you find or discover design? What was what was the original draw, and mm. how did that evolve? Well, originally, um, I worked for a very small newspaper, and I was being in the right place at the right time, and. That meant that I was behind everyone else that was either getting sick, had been let go, or uh, was just too busy to do things. Mm-hmm. And being seen as the young kid, you probably know a thing or two about computers. You probably know a thing or two about art. And, and I knew a thing, and that was it. <laughs> not, yeah. not or two, uh, but was willing to learn. And so... Um, to me, I never really associated design with anything more than just a functionality of producing content. And I didn't realize that until way later that that was the connection. So I went to, uh, went to school, was studying journalism. I originally wanted to be a journalist. And um, I joined the college yearbook, and at the time, uh, we still had yearbooks. Some schools have it now in 2014, but not a lot. And the yearbook gave me an opportunity to see how to connect the 
quality of storytelling to visuals. There was something that I, I knew was always missing from a story, which was that I could tell more by putting someone into the whole concept inside of it visually, whether it be with a layout or whether it be with a um, set of type or, or what have you. But I had no idea what that was called. And the advisor for the yearbook was um, the graphic design professor. Mm-hmm. And so after seeing me do some things in the yearbook, he said, you should, you should take one of my classes. And so I did any pretentious 18 to 22 year old does looks at the next class that's available which is a 300 level class and say yeah I can do that and anyway, struggled struggled the whole time uh, but it was a good you know I thrive so much on um, stress uh, which is not a good thing but at the time I really loved the fact that I knew what was coming and I needed to fill my knowledge base so that way I could catch up with it mm-hmm. and catch up with the rest of my peers. And, um, and so my senior year, I did the 100 level class, which was, uh, which was fun because I knew what to expect or how this all made sense, uh, doing the 100 level class and learning about the like, history of typography. Like, oh, this makes sense. That's why we did it like that mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, I wouldn't recommend taking them out of sequence classes. <laughs> Sometimes there is a reasons to the madness, and, and that uh, there was no reason to my madness of taking them out of order, except for I was a bit more ballsy than than others. Um, how about you? You you actually didn't um, graduate with a major in design. No, and I keep I keep joking with some of the people like Nicole from school. I to, when I told her I got into grad school, I was like, Nicole, I'll finally be able to be a real designer like the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only know actually part of the story. Part of it I don't quite remember. Or like, I don't remember how one piece of it fits together. So I originally came to school and I wanted to be an English teacher. I wanted to study English. Um, I'd always had like a minor interest in art, photography especially. Took a lot of photography in high school, and uh, my freshman year, <laughs> so uh, I never actually got the opportunity to take that. But it got me there, which I don't regret. And uh, I was—I remember talking to my academic advisor, telling her about my interests. Oh, well, I think I might want to do English. But I also kind of like art. She was like, well, those two kind of collide in in communication. So then I I took an intro to communication class. I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I like media. Media is fun. Content creation, as you kind of mentioned before, um, ended up in PR and advertising, which uh, was interesting. It was good. Um, It felt the most useful that thing that did was a taught me to write and taught me to be simple and brief which then lended it later on lended itself to design quite nicely having learned that but uh so I had to take a minor and I had chosen studio art Mm -hmm. along with French 
but I remember at some point sitting down and having a conversation with you, which I'm pretty sure was before I took my first design class. Yeah. Um, and talking about design, and I remember you trying to get information out of me, and the one thing I remember specifically was you saying, so you're telling me you like to make pretty things? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a line I would say. Uh, and me not quite sure how to answer the question because part of me wanted to say yes but at that time like my whole definition of what pretty things was completely different from what it is now uh but also feeling like the way you were asking me that question you were saying if you say yes that is the right answer but it's also the wrong answer mm. <laughs> Um, that would be very true, and I could and I could tell in your voice, and but it, it piqued my curiosity, so I ended up taking a class in, um, or design. What was it? it was one ninety six at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and I just kind of felt like all of it seemed to come into place. Um, it was challenging, but it wasn't challenging in like an algorithmic way that the way like something like math or biology is taught in the U.S. where, you know, you do this and this and you get this. And math doesn't have to be that way, but that's just the way it tends to be taught. But uh, the, the way that when I was sitting around with my peers and we all got the same assignment and we all approached whatever we were given in the same way, but when we came down to the critique everybody produced something completely different, but everybody was both right and wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed being in that gray area. Um, so I kept going with it, but I never put uh, two feet in the door. Mm -hmm. So I stayed in communication, but I just took way too many art and design classes. I think I was like, what, four or six credits shy of having a second degree? I think so. I uh, just needed more art history. I think I remember so. trying to convince you. I have a, I have a vague memory of after a flood being in, um, the building had flooded so mm -hmm. over the, uh, in, before Christmas, yeah. and it was during J term or in the spring semester. My office still wasn't cleaned up yet so I yeah. was in the gallery mm -hmm. and we're sitting on the floor <laughs> the gallery talking about your capstone and I want to say yeah. that I tried to convince you at that point like just two more classes Chad in the summer or you could do it it's almost there it's in your grasp yep. and you not taking the bait as usual <laughs> <laughs> that was always a hard one to convince I always had to well still always kind of have to uh lead myself to the trough mm -hmm. even if it's set out in front of me yeah but uh that's kind of how i found design and then i just felt like coming out of school i had a good idea i wanted to be a designer but i for some reason wasn't ready to let go of the communication side of things yet which i think is still good because i think that's an excellent i think i developed a lot of extra uh skills and knowledge bases especially in writing uh, that have been extremely useful uh, but I wasn't ready to let it go and so I found a job that uh, I was able to do all all of those things 
so I was able to learn hands-on what I what I liked to do, what mm-hmm. I didn't like to do, and now four years later is kind of solidified and made me confident that going to grad school to actually finally achieve that mm-hmm. degree in design is the right thing to do. Yeah. So I can become a real designer. <laughs> <laughs> MFA. Oh, I won't have an MFA. I'll have an mm-hmm. MDES. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. It's a real Master of Design program. Yeah. Separate from their MFA. You're going to be fancier. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. Which was also a part of the draw to the program. Mm-hmm. I um, I always found it interesting uh, f- for me, especially uh, dealing with you, is that you did have that approach, the communication and analytical approach to design that I always found very valuable from, from my graduate work was that design is not just about developing a product, about developing a, a strategy. But it's about having content that is connected to a user, to an end user, that it's your responsibility to make the connection. It's not to fulfill the need of the client, but rather the need of the user mm-hmm. and the content based off of the content. Yeah. And I think that because you have a communication background and you didn't want to let go of it, as you said, you didn't want to let go of it it made you into a stronger designer because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That take a communication class, take do a communication degree, take an art minor, do an art degree. Yeah. Mix those two together. Well, it's that whole concept of being a T-shaped person, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's Can you explain well, what that means? Well, I mean, the, the T-shaped concept, so um, if you imagine a person's set of skills or knowledge bases as a T. So uh, depth and breadth uh, mm-hmm. is another way to describe it, is that you have a, the, the best way to form teams or be able to work together is finding people that have uh, breadths that overlap. So that, um, you know, I consider, you know, I, I know a lot about design. I know a lot about communication and all of those various different things. I also know a fair amount about like uh, exercise, nutrition, thing, all of those other things that overlap. So any of those those touch points. But when you're creating a team, for example, so if you have, you know, like a developer that knows a little bit about design, but the depth of their T is in development, but they they know enough about design to be able to speak that language. Mm-hmm. And then you have a designer whose depth or like the the stem of the T is. Uh, in design but they know a little bit about development and coding that they can speak to a developer mm-hmm. and understand their limitations that those two people can actually work together really efficiently and great yeah. and so for me it's just you know I've kind of gotten to the point where the, the T of design is getting deeper than the T of communication <laughs> finally uh, but it's helped me be able to see the world of design uh, through a through a different lens, I think, because of it. So, my next question. So, Chad, you have a, uh, um, a very strong, dedicated interest to in music. And besides music, what are some other things that influence you? 
to, uh, to, to be creative? What, what is it that sparks your creativity? Uh, besides music, probably exercise. Yeah. Going for runs, lifting weights, which is interesting because it's not really... I wouldn't say it drives me to be creative. I'd say it allows me to be creative because it's in... I'd say it's almost equivalent to like meditation in that I feel like when I'm running, I don't have to think about anything else. Mm. And so it frees up my mind to just think about absolutely nothing but not getting hit by a car and putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, for some reason that oftentimes when I'm done with that, like something fresh will have arisen mm. if I'm thinking about it, even though I won't have been consciously thinking about it in the process. It, I mean, it's equivalent to sleeping. Oftentimes, you know, as if I'm lingering on a certain problem or approach to something, um, the best thing I've ever found to do is actually go to bed and sleep. Uh, sleep has always been one of my biggest priorities. Like in college, I never, I never once pulled an all-nighter, even though I tried once. Uh, <laughs> fell asleep at my computer or like drooled all over my keyboard <laughs> uh, but yeah getting like a full night's sleep I'd rather go to bed early wake up early um, because letting your mind rest like it thinks about things when you're mm -hmm. sleeping and so I'll often wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I'll just have a solution to actually start running and moving hmm. so I guess sleep and exercise so I guess you could lump that into leading a healthy lifestyle yeah. allow, enables me to be creative, which I think is uh, a atypical approach to the stereotypical creative, where it's like a lack of sleep, mm -hmm. a binge on alcohol and junk food, and yeah. locking, more coffee. In, locking, yeah, more coffee, mm -hmm. locking yourself into a, a room, yeah. <laughs> a dark room. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that interesting. Um, you know, Richard Branson, uh, the uh, founder of um, Virgin Records, and you know, mm -hmm. all of the all of that conglomeration, uh, says a very similar thing: is that um, you'll start off the day meditating, running, exercising, and it really helps move his mind around and start thinking about things. And it's about um, using your mind as a muscle. Mm -hmm. and not just think about it as a switch that you can turn on and off. Yeah. Um, but I do find taking my mind off of whatever it is, so reading or um, watching a movie, usually watching something is very stimulating for me by being captured by some other narrative mm -hmm. in order to help block unblock whatever it is that the problem I'm working on yeah uh, so oftentimes I'll just go through Netflix to find something anything and um, as I'm staring at whatever it is a new answer will come to me and I'll pause it right then and there and start working again yeah um, in college I was very much the I needed to do something else in order to get it done. And that's why I got through grad school was doing another project I did I in essence did two thesis projects in order to get through the one. Because you were project. distracting yourself from the real one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know until the end, really, which one was the thesis project. Um, 
until maybe about a month or so uh, before it was due, my advisor said, you've got to pick one. You can't do both. You've got to pick, you know, finish one. So I did. And the other one I used as, um, as a project, one of my other advisors, she had said to me that you have to start something right away. Don't let yourself lag into the end of the school year because you'll find yourself either depressed or um, just emotionally drained and you don't know what to do with yourself at that point. So jumping into that project that I had already been working on really helped me kind of go to the finish line without having um, to break and change who I was and question anything or what have you. I was like, I knew, I knew what I wanted and, and I, that it was again like another block i used then my thesis to to really enhance the second project mm -hmm. so so as you were transitioning out of school it was almost like uh, as the door of academia was closing it helped open another door to step into immediately yeah. while everything else was being figured out definitely yeah rather than getting locked in a hallway <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would say that that's very true. It's um, and for any student, I think what even transitioning from one semester to another, mm -hmm. to don't think about college as a hour class, an hour and a half class, two days a week, three days a week, whatever it is. Think of it as um, that is the opportunity for you to, to really take a pause from the creativity in order to move past whatever mental block, whatever creative block that you have, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to thinking that's the only time to be creative. Yeah. You use it as the opposite. Yeah. And I think that's what classes were always for me, was that they were a way for me to clear my mind to move forward to the next creative project. Mm -hmm. I remember that was always one of my struggles in undergrad was feeling like I wanted to do stuff outside of classes, but not feeling like I mm -hmm. had more time. Uh, so that was just... Uh, uh, how so? Uh, well, just because I was so uh, dedicated to doing so many other things than just classes when I was in school mm -hmm. that uh, I wasn't always utilizing what I was learning in classes immediately for activities outside of class. Mm -hmm. So I was always hyper-focused on the projects I was doing for class rather than thinking of projects I could be using that knowledge I was building mm -hmm. for outside of class. Luckily, I think that uh, once I graduated, I was able to do those things outside of class mm -hmm. to some degree, but uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I vaguely remember that you were in crew and and that being such a time things, suck. Yeah, <laughs> that was like, you know, if you just dropped it this year, if you just dropped it this semester, if, mm -hmm. and um, but now knowing who you are and uh, the answer to your question, <clears throat> I understand that that was an important part of mm -hmm. of you being creative was for you to have something like crew. And to have that exercise regiment that went with that. Um, and I bet you would probably be a, a lot worse 
off if he didn't do that well i think the other so i guess the other thing when we're talking about creative and as you're talking about crew the original reason i started rowing in college was i mean i'd done sports in high school and stuff but when i i had a hard time when i stepped into college that uh my class schedule wasn't the same every day mm-hmm. uh, and so by having practice every morning first thing I did it was the one thing that was consistent it was a consistent start to my day mm-hmm. and so being a very habitual person like that it got me out of bed uh, as most people were going to sleep and <laughs> uh, getting me started in my day and I think mm-hmm. it allowed me to be so much more productive and focused in everything else I did mm-hmm. but it also established that routine into life to a degree I mean still to this day I, it's the first thing I do when I wake up is I go go to the gym and I work out and then I'm poised and ready for to start being productive mm-hmm. um, before you know everybody else is up and moving have you thought about Maybe joining crew in, in grad school uh, well you dubs pro I mean they're a D1 school and so oh. <laughs> their program is much different. more <laughs> intensive even more so and competitive and yeah. so I just Okay, so what do you think? Where should we should we Where keep talking? We or? It's up to you. Uh, I'm fine with that.